Hello, welcome to Network Collective, a video podcast with network engineers and IT pros discussing the technical and business challenges we face day to day in our professional lives. We're glad you're here. Uh, today, we're talking about the unique challenges of working in SMB, SMB meaning small and medium sized businesses. Uh, we're joined today by three awesome guests, um, uh, Kevin Blackburn, John Dupre, and Matt Hato, each of whom have some really great insight into this topic, so we're excited that they're here. Uh, for those of you watching on the live stream, please feel free to also participate uh, on Twitter using hashtag Network Collective. Um, you can post questions, make comments. Um, we're a community-focused uh, podcast, so we really value your contribution as well. So let's take a moment now and go around the virtual roundtable uh, and introduce our guests. Uh, so Kevin, why don't we start with you? Hey guys, I'm Kevin Blackburn. I'm currently a senior network engineer in the healthcare industry. Um, if you wanna reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at, at the routing table and my website is theroutingtable.com. I'll be happy to hear from you. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. So I actually met Kevin just a month or so ago at Networking Field Day 15. So we're new friends. And Kevin, I'm really glad you're with us today. Uh, next, we have John Dupre. John, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm John Dupre. I work at an MSP as a senior systems engineer. I, uh, I had the pleasure of working with Phil a bunch of years ago. We had some fun projects and things that we uh, you know, upgraded networks and installed servers. Mm -hmm. uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thanks, John. Yeah, John and I did work together for a few years at an MSP, but the cool part was that we actually specialize in SMB. So I happen to know that John has some really great breadth of knowledge and depth of insight in specifically this topic. So John, I'm really glad to be working with you again, even if it's just for a day. <laughs> um, and uh, last, but certainly not least, my good friend, Matt Hato. Matt, why don't you tell us a little about yourself today? Hey, Phil. First of all, hey. thanks for having me here. Uh, my name's Matt Hato. I currently work for Avar. We service companies of all sizes from SMB to mid-market to enterprise, uh, primarily mid-market, but I got my uh, my start working mm -hmm. for an MSP that did you know quite a bit of SMB work, so glad to be here. Awesome. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Matt Hato or uh, packetflow.io. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. And of course, I'm joined by my great co-hosts, uh, Yvonne Sharp and Jordan Martin, who I happen to know also have some really great insight into this topic from our previous discussions. So uh, let's just jump right in. Working in technology is challenging for anybody, right? SMB, large businesses, web scale, service provider, whatever you like. But working specifically in a small and medium sized business, which is our focus today, has some kind of specific challenges that we're going to focus on with regard to technology, um, business requirements, budget, maybe in-house engineering needs. What else am I missing? Ongoing support. Uh, so, but before we really dig into that, how, how do you all here define that term, small and medium-sized business, SMB? What does that actually mean to you? Um, well, for me, uh, we have kicked around the metric of, of just uh, company size, uh, which can be helpful. Um, it doesn't tell all. Um, for me, I think of any organization that maybe has a few more generalized jack-of-all-trades folk, uh, IT folks, or maybe a most technical, non-technical person, but they don't have a huge budget or, um, you know, a, a huge staff to maintain their infrastructure. 
Okay. Yeah, you brought up a couple more points, the staff and the budget factors, which I definitely want to dig into as well. And I think um, it's important, yeah. Phil, to make the distinction. You always hear enterprise, you know, your 30,000 user organizations or 10,000 or whatever that number might be. And then there's SMB. But I feel that when you talk about SMB and enterprise, you really need to look at the mid-market as well because there's such a, a huge gap between that 10 to 30,000 user organization and the 10 to 50 user or wherever you draw that line, uh, SMB. Yeah. Yeah, we can even throw Soho into there, right? I mean, there are offices with, you know, 12 people making millions of dollars a year in revenue, right? And they still count. So I think there's definitely a lot of, and they need infrastructure. So there's definitely a lot going here. I know, um, and one of you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but Cisco defines SMB as really big numbers. I don't know what they are, but it's in the thousands. Am I right? I think so. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've heard the the, you know, uh, cutoff point being anywhere from 250 to 1,000. I think Cisco might be 1,000, which to me just seems yeah. kind of crazy because I see that as firmly in the mid-market. If we're going to go by user counts, I'd say in my experience, anything past, uh, depending on their data needs, yeah, usually two, three, uh, 200 to 300 is your cutoff point. Well, what do you, what do you mean by data needs? What is it? I don't know. So I can have a 300-user organization uh-huh. uh versus a 50-user organization, and based upon what that 50-user organization is doing, they might na- uh, need a lot more infrastructure, and they might have much greater availability needs. So the 300-user organization, they can tolerate downtime of, let's say, you know, a day until they get their systems back up and running, where that 50-user organization, they simply can't. They're going to have active-active data centers or active-standby data centers. They're going to have, uh, you know, a l- much greater needs for technology than the larger organization. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the, the business critical systems and that kind of thing. Yeah, go ahead, John. Uh, smaller businesses sometimes don't even have their own infrastructure. They'll rely on Box or Dropbox to store their files, so they can't even tolerate any downtime because if they can't get to their files, then they can't get any work done. Well, that's an interesting point. So the opposite. So, you know, we have a small infrastructure because we have a small organization, uh, and therefore things are not as mission critical maybe. But you get down to the really small level where they just dump everything at the Dropbox teams or whatever it is, right? Yep. Uh, then you rely completely on that even little bit of infrastructure. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. I don't even I don't even think that has to do with size. I've seen larger yeah. organizations start going that direction, just from a management perspective. I think it's it's you know it's one of these things that's really hard to nail down because it doesn't really matter which metric you use. There's always exceptions. There's always something outside yeah. of the box. I think and, we got some good except <clears throat> or good good factors to look at though. You know, we did oh. talk about end user count, uh, type of technology, uh, um, uh, high availability factors, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I think the uh, I think it really comes down to perspective. Mm. Um, it, it comes down to uh, how important is IT to the organization, right? And, yeah. and uh, you know, like we, we want to define it by number or the amount, a number of people, the amount spent, a uh, number of total employees. Um, it, I don't know that it gets defined that well because I've seen some small shops where IT is absolutely critical and they treat it that way. Yeah. Um, and I would not call them SMBs at all because they're running advanced technology and they're working, you know, with things that the big shops are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then I've seen, you know, big shops that definitely operate like SMBs, like, you know, 2000 people organizations that <laughs> operate as an SMB. Yeah. But absolutely drop them in that category. So I can see where Cisco would make that determination even yeah. into the thousands. So, Jordan, when you say they operate like the bigger companies that operate like SMBs, 
what exactly do you mean by that? Like as far as how much they uh, care or the emphasis they put on infrastructure? Uh, care is probably the wrong word. Yeah. It's just their willingness to invest in things like uh, resiliency. Uh, the the idea that, you know, uh, if, if I have something that I consider critical, but I'm unwilling to make it duplicate to me that's an yeah. smb mentality yeah uh you know if, if if your if your management can look at something and say hey i absolutely need this yeah um and then won't put a couple extra thousand dollars to to make it redundant you're operating like an smb and i think you kind of yeah. hit the nail on the head with smb mentality because you can have two companies which are essentially the same the systems are just as critical and one is willing to spend the money to protect them uh, as if they were critical systems and the other is willing to take the risk to, to not do so. And it's that sort of SMB mentality which really separates uh, you know, the infrastructure that they're implementing even more than the systems themselves. I, I also want to make a key point here. And when, when I say SMB mentality, I don't want it to sound like there's some negative connotation that comes with that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think I think naturally that we kind of, you know, especially those of us who work at maybe larger enterprise shops, you hear that and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, it's this little SMB guys. But it's not that at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, some shops, it's absolutely appropriate for you to be running single home systems and it makes sense for the business. And that's a, that's a very valid business decision. You've You've looked at. Uh, you've looked at your risk versus what you're willing to invest and you're willing to make those trade-offs and that's a responsible decision now, you're still operating like an smb but it's 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 still a responsible way to go about it and so I, it's not a negative connotation i want to make that clear uh it's just in the perspective of the way you look at your technology how important is it to your business and how much are you willing to spend yeah in the, in the context of, of budget and money that's what I, I completely hear what you're saying yeah. i mean i can think of so many examples that john dupre john dupre <laughs> and i you know working for customer x and customer y um where like it, nothing could be down and we get a flurry of help desk tickets if uh if something you know didn't work quite right or if there was a little you know ugliness on the phone line uh but to to oh you don't have any backups well we won't spend a dollar you know, I, 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 John, I got to say this one. I'm not going to say the name of the customer, but I remember um, I was in Saratoga Springs and I'm working with a customer, uh, some nice folks. They were setting up a new office, expanding, doing some cool things. And I'm sitting with somebody high up in the company in a conference room. And there were issues. John, do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, I remember. Okay. Um, and I'm sitting across the table in this conference room and the guy, nice guy, and we're shooting the breeze, talking about technology, some plans for the next steps and, uh, and a very serious problem that they faced and it needed to be solved. A uh, technical problem, right? And he looks at me and he gets quiet and he goes like this. Okay, Phil, what can you do to fix this problem that won't cost me more than a dollar? <laughs> and I just looked at it, I'm like, pray, I guess? You could start with that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. And that was, that we had a lot of laughs when we got back to the office. But that was, you know, that was an eye-opener because it was definitely a budget constraint that was clearly the technical, not the technical challenge, but it was the, the, the professional challenge that we had to get through. How do I still provide this, this technical uh, thing, you know, solution to meet this business requirement within a very, very small budget. And that's where we started to look at, you know, specific types of vendors. You know, I, I know John and I put in a lot of sonic walls instead of ASAs, you know, you know as an example. And, what'd you say? I said, I'm not proud of that. Oh. <laughs> Coming from the guy who had to migrate all those things back to ASAs, we're going to have to talk later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I, uh, well, and one of the things about so the 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 guy coming to you and saying, "What can you do to solve this problem for me yep. in a dollar for a dollar?" Um, and maybe for me, it was like the professional stage I was in, and not so much a lack of maturity and a willingness to please. But there are times that you've just got to say that is not going to work, and I think that is one of the big things that I learned when I was in the SMB space, but I had a tendency to like to take too much ownership of those problems and to not see it as Mm -hmm. a business organizational challenge, but to see it as a personal failure. Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. we didn't have backups. Well, the reason you don't have backups is because they wouldn't pay for backups. Yeah. And you can't like, you can, you can do some simple things with shadow copies or with things, but those aren't backup solutions. And so, uh, there are times when you just can't pull the data out of your hat. Yeah. And, um, and, and for me, it took a while for me to learn not to own that so personally. Yeah, yeah hear, hearing Phil's story, it, it makes me cringe because I also, you know, I came out of an SMB shop. It made me cringe too. Right. And, 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 well, I mean, but you, you were there in a, in a consultative fashion, right? Yes, so, I mean, that's right. I'm thinking about sitting there as being the guy who's responsible for this and having management have those types of requirements. How can we do this for absolutely zero money? And I'm just like, and I think about those days when I was trying my best, right? I'm, I'm really, I mean, so for me, SMB was early on, like that's where I cut my yeah. teeth. Yep. And I think that's probably a pretty common story. Uh, but but for me, I'm cutting my teeth. I'm trying to learn how to do things right. I'm trying to figure out how to, how to, how to be a good, you know, network engineer. And I, I'm being stopped by my management from doing what is right for the business by the technical definition. Now, since then I've matured a bit and I've learned that sometimes what's right for the business from the technical definition isn't always what's right for the business from the business decision. And there are more factors to the decision than what the best technical solution is. But man, that just drove me crazy. Yep. <laughs> like this yep. needs to be up 100% of the time. I'm going to give you $10 to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, know, yeah. like, you, you mentioned that SMB mindset and I, I agree that that's not necessarily a, a bad thing, but I think what we started talking about immediately after was, you know, almost the IT doesn't matters mindset. Uh, IT doesn't matter. And I I did see a little bit more overlap in the SMB space uh, where there just wasn't that that willingness to do what needed to be done. And I'm not talking about, you know, we're not going to spend $100,000 on X appliance. I'm talking about we've got a switch, which is the fan is caked with dust and it's above the third ceiling tile to the left and that's running everything that sounds awfully specific Matt. (laughs) is this recalling from memory i think you've probably seen that same ceiling tile phil you've all seen that (laughs) i've seen i've seen worse yeah and that might be a 20 user shop that might be a 300 ceiling tile (laughs) you know trying to protect the identity protect the identity (laughs) i do have to say that all my most like not all, but the majority of my fondest memories as a technical person were working in SMB with SMB customers. And I think this is why, and and this is just my philosophy off the cuff, just kind of coming off the top of my head. I like the technology that we work with, right? I like figuring out solutions to problems. And I have a slight of a distaste in just spending money on gear and boxes to solve a problem. I like figuring out how can I make this work with what we got that requires the skill, it's the challenge, it's fulfilling. So I, you know, I really, I really enjoyed it uh, a lot of the time as much of a, a pain in, in, the, in the neck that it was sometimes, you know, I don't I know. I agree with you there. I think, you know, on that level, enterprise could learn a lot from SMB where mm. you're, you're genuinely, and there's been a lot of talk recently with, uh, 
engineering solutions versus just deploying boxes. And I feel like when you do get to a certain level, uh, and there is a little bit more budget, sometimes there tends to be less focus on doing the right thing and, and right-sizing solutions. I think you might have even written a post about, you know, right-sizing yeah. your network infrastructure or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And that is a lot more common in SMB. And I feel like the, the, the truly consultative relationship with the customer is often there a little bit more in that environment just because the budget isn't there and you, you genuinely do have to craft a solution that fits. Yeah. Rather than say, okay, here's the CVD, we're going to buy this, 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 and this. Do you need it? Mm -hmm. No, but we're going to make more money, and here's what we're going to implement. So yeah, not to say there isn't a balance between the two, but... Yeah. It does sound so like budget is definitely a driving factor to a lot of this conversation right now. I didn't necessarily mean it to be, but it does sound like it's an under it's the current that's pushing a lot of these decisions. Go ahead, One Eagle, of the sorry. things I, I loved about SMB, though, was I knew who made the decision. And I could walk in his office, and mm -hmm. I could say, this is what I think we need to do, and this is why. And I could have a conversation with the person who decided. Mm -hmm. And I might win, or I might lose. Um, but sometimes in the enterprise, the who makes the decision is so convoluted. And, and, and you've got purchasing and you've got management approval and you've got vendor relationships and you've got politics. Um, we, we had a very wise man tell us once that bigger dogs have more fleas. Um, and that's kind of sometimes <laughs> what it's like to be in a large organization. And so for me, the ability to go in and make an argument, make it passionately with the person who made the decision was the, the end all and be all. Um, that was one of the things that I loved about that environment. Mm -hmm. I do have a question. We're talking a lot uh, about money and being able to, to make the decisions or do the right things. And, yep. I, and I think it might be, you know, uh, a topic that gets investigated further. But I, I just wonder if the, the concept of operational funding is much more attractive to SMB. So when we talk about things like, you know, AWS and, and cloud and uh, when we talk about infrastructure as a service, software as a service, I mean, do those things become more more palatable because they're less of a big upfront capital investment? Do you think it's the big outlay upfront that's the problem, or do you think it's just the cost overall? A lot of times well, it's the upfront the upfront cost when a customer is looking at a solution. You know, if we propose like a couple servers to replace their aging equipment. They're going to say, well, you know, can we just do it with one or something like that? And, you know, it's like, yeah, you can, but then you don't have any high availability. There's a, you know, but then, you know, like some of the customers, they'll go with financing or they'll lease the equipment, you know, just to, to get over that whole, like, upfront cost, yeah. the initial investment. I think even beyond that, though, it's the cost to maintain going forward. You put the high-level gear in upfront, you, you know, you have a company... They finally decide, you know what, we're going to pay the money, we're going to get the good gear in here, new servers, whatever it takes. But they have a contractor come in and do it. Well, who do I have on staff that's even going to look after that going forward? So I think, yeah. you know, budget is a big thing. You know, I don't think it's focused in one area being the upfront, the maintenance. It's kind of the, the whole package, if you put it that way. The whole package being ongoing support at that point. So, so we have, you know, 53 people. We're a law firm with... 20 lawyers and 30 support staff and then some something else. Are we able to afford uh, the high level network engineer and VMware admin and all these things 
uh, in a 50 person company with 20 million dollars a year revenue. I mean, when you look at it as a percentage of budget, you know what we can we know what our our monthly revenue is. So we don't want to spend a four million dollar uh, four million dollars on a capital project, but we can spend, you know, five grand a month on AWS or something like that. Uh, we just don't have the internal engineering staff. Or we can't afford it or we don't want to pay for it to do it. I think that's really common in the SMB is that they're kind of in this no man's land where you have a lot of the same needs. Because I really think that a lot of the, the business drivers and then tech and therefore the, the, the technical requirements that flow from them are very similar. You know, you have a 50 person law firm. I'll stick with that example. Um, you're closing deals. You're closing loans. Maybe maybe you're you know working for a bank or you're uh, you got major cases going on, even though you're not a huge huge organization so there's a lot of there's still a lot of money at stake you still have email as the lifeblood of the organization in a medical practice with 50 doctors small but you still have to get to that uh what are those called emrs whatever the medical records thing right oh, yeah. um you still got to get to that that's the lifeblood so it, I, I really feel like a lot of those business drivers are the same uh maybe not all you know because it's really expensive to eliminate all your single points of failure for example right so there's a little bit more tolerance for downtime, but I, I really feel like there 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 there's a lot of overlap there. Well, I've seen well, I've seen I'm... a concerted effort. No, go ahead, Jordan. <laughs> All right, I've seen a concerted concerted effort from from those in S and B to build in back in non technical systems. Hmm. What do you right? mean? So uh, so uh, if you if you say an EMR is a good example in a hospital, uh, almost every every hospital that I know has a way to go to paper. It's okay. painful and it's no one wants to do it, but you can. And so and so there's always a backup. And I think that that gives uh, a bit more leniency to the idea that we don't have to have a fully redundant technical system. We don't need 100 percent uptime uh, because we have this way to fall back into something that's non-technical. We don't have to live and die by yeah. the operation of our network. And that'll have to be good enough because that's that's the budget. And, you know, it, it fulfills the compliance requirements. So, yeah, I get that. What what do you guys see as um uh, specific technology equipment uh, that you would say is more unique and specific to the SMB world. I'm thinking about maybe vendor brands. Um, I'm thinking about different types of hypervisors, th things like that. What do you see as is more common and, and prolific in the SMB world? Um, VMware is definitely um, out there, and Hyper-V. We've got a few customers that use Hyper-V. Um, VMware, they don't go usually higher than like standard licensing. Everything's okay. down to like Essentials or Essentials Plus if they want the high availability features. Okay. You know, like um, some Dell switches or Cisco switches, maybe HP. It really just depends on what they're looking for and what technology they need, Layer 2, mm -hmm. Layer 3, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Do, do you still see that uh, like virtualization, for example, is is something that you're deploying I even in small companies? Uh, oh, yeah. It's a standard totally. practice and big. Is it? OK. Yeah. I mean, you know, like they'll have like a lot of different services. And generally speaking, when you set up a Windows server, it's supposed to be single, you know, like a single service, like a domain controller or a file server. So you want to have all these things, but you don't want to have a physical server for each one. So you can just you know, compartmentalize it all in VMware. And you can throw them all in the same box if you fill it up with enough memory and CPU. Yeah, yeah. And, so it does and, make internal sense. Internal yeah. storage, I think that's another you know big difference there is your typical SMB. I'm going to have one, two, maybe three ESXi hosts. I'm going to have a whole bunch of servers. Uh, each one is going to have internal storage. They're going to run the most basic licensing, if not you know free ESXi. Mm -hmm. And there's there the availability just won't be there. Whereas when you move into mid market enterprise, then you're going to be looking at actual you know enterprise plus clusters 
and a sin or hyperconverged rather than just your basic, you know, uh, HP server with internal storage doing nothing but being a single server. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember one time where, uh, or when I, uh, I set up a call manager phone system and, um, the, the, the company was still, uh, working out their, their, their storage platform, what they were going to do there. Uh, John and I worked on this one. They still have, it. uh, they still, okay. At the time, that was the plan. But I still put the phone system in, and I did not set up DRS because I couldn't find this, the room to send these files, which I ended up doing after the fact, right? And and uh, guess what happened right after it? D- DRS being Disaster Recovery System or Service, whatever the S stands for. SRST? Not SRST, specifically oh. the, it, within Call Manager. I did have SRST running, thankfully, because guess yeah. what happened the day after I put it into production? problem though that particular uc uh 220 i I don't remember the model uh they had problems yeah it had problems with their raid cards and uh you know you could only afford one box that's that was the budget and i couldn't find space because you know the whole web of technology all works together and uh uh yeah they went down and thankfully srst took over on the on the the voice gateway router but that was a specific challenge that i faced was all right how do we get uh, the phones are very, very important. How do we get some kind of a backup going here uh, since they chose to go to, over to uh, uh, voice over IP? Didn't we set up and, OpenFiler? Uh, uh, at, at, yeah, we ended up finding a solo. <laughs> right. That, and that's my point is yeah. that we had to figure out how are we going to make this work for less than a dollar. Different customer, but that was the, that was the idea. And I think that's, that's, a, you know, that's a challenge that I faced a lot is how do I, how do I meet this same business requirement with what I got? Well, I think you know? in the SMB space, we end up going to more creative solutions than looking for ones that cost money. I mean, I, I want to agree, but I've had conversations like with Jordan, for example, where he's telling me about how he's setting up, you know, active, active data centers and things. And I'm like, eh, that's pretty creative, you know, <laughs> and, and how he's making that work so that, you know, there's DNS failover and there's, I mean, layer two adjacencies going across. So, so that sounds pretty creative too, but I don't do say get- that. Don't say that too loudly. There's a lot of people who won't be a fan of, data center or connect right yeah <laughs> well i remember you mentioning something recently and, and i don't I, get to make all the decisions yes yes but, but my point <laughs> is that you still have to make it you have to make it work with what you no. got and and even then there's a budget uh you know those those big routers the big iron is really expensive so it's like oh we got to get our our perimeter secure well the the type of firewalls you need cost 30 grand a pop well that's our entire budget so even <laughs> even larger enterprises you know i got i need 20 firewalls well that kills your entire it budget for the year so even enterprises deal with that uh, as but well. Now, are we uh, are we talking enterprise or are we talking mid-market? Because you can do active-active data centers. I mean, what can you put in a server these days? A terabyte of RAM? So let's say in each data center, you have three servers with a terabyte of RAM each and a single SAN. Some would say that that's, that's not enterprise. You know, you've, I don't even have a full rack of gear in each server, so I feel like there's there's this line where it's not quite enterprise, but you're still doing some some pretty complex technologies mm-hmm. and doing creative solutions. Well, well I, gotta, I, I, gotta, I don't think there's any, yeah. any line where creativity stops. Uh, like, uh, in a, in, and to be quite honest, I think that's an unfortunate thing in our, in our industry. Yeah. Uh, we have too many special snowflakes and, and we shouldn't have so much creativity. We should have standard <laughs> deployments. Um, and I'll get off my soapbox now. Yeah. Uh, but, but, the, but the reality is that the creativity doesn't end. Uh, I mean, I'm dealing with a customer in the past couple of weeks uh, where, you know, we run into a problem. They bought gear. They had X amount of budget. And we run into a fact that what they bought doesn't support a particular feature. Now, oh, this boy. is a, a large customer. Yeah. They spent a lot of money. 
And guess what? We're being really creative, even though they're big, because they don't have any more money in that budget to go buy a router to go do what they need to do that yeah. the Switch won't do. So it's, you know, it's it, it, I don't think cre- creativity ever stops. You got to be honest with me. You're having a ton of fun, though, aren't you? On that one, no. On some of them, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, But I think when you talk about creativity, yeah. are we talking about creativity as in cutting corners, or are we talking about you know actual engineering? Because at the same time, I, I agree that there's too many snowflakes and that complexity is the enemy of stability. Uh, but at the same time, if we're just going off of a vendor white paper and buying mm-hmm. exactly what I'm told I need to buy and you eliminate that creativity altogether, mm-hmm. you eliminate a lot of the engineering component and I feel like you're not really doing the right thing for the customer. So it's mm-hmm. it's a fine line, right, between <laughs> just deploying something as it's written and truly crafting the right solution for that customer. Well, yeah. A lot of times yeah. you're not putting in an entire stack of equipment at once. Like, you know, you have, you're going to replace pieces at a time, you know, put in new servers here, put in new switches there. So sometimes those switches might be a little outdated. They may not support the same functionality that you're expecting. So then you got to make your ASA do router on a stick. Ooh. <laughs> that was standard deployment when I was doing SMB. It was... Your, your typical infrastructure was an HP, I'll just bring out a bunch of vendors. You had an HP 1810G, uh, or several of them, layer two switches connected to an ASA 5505, or a sonic wall, whatever. Oh, I've seen uh, those before. Oh yeah, and all your layer three routing is done through the ASA, if you can, because you might not even have security plus on it, in which case you're not really doing too much layer three anything, because you know you, you can't, uh, you or DMZ. you can in a very limited capacity. <laughs> Yeah. You mean uh, you mean networks need routers? Like, is that a thing? No, they don't because you have a single flat, you know, <laughs> 192, 168, really. 1.0 slash 24. Yeah. Who needs to route that? Just route it outbound and you're good. You just got, you got you, your And you've got NAT, right. so you're safe, right? Oh, yeah. yep. I want to go back to what John said earlier, though. It, it, I think the creativity part really involves taking a look at the gear that you already have, mm-hmm. and instead of saying, I want to do X, Y, and Z, what parts do I need to make that happen? It's more, I want to do X, Y, and Z, how do I configure what I already have to make that happen? So, and I think ooh. that's why, <laughs> yeah, you see that more in the small biz side of it because they don't have the option to buy more gear. But, so, see, we're, but see, we're going, we're, we're going here, so I'm gonna get back up on my soapbox here for a second. Go for and, it. And, and, and Matt, what you said is absolutely right. Complexity, right? And creativity is at direct odds with stability and predictability. And so every time we put in one of these creative little fun little solutions where we can pat ourselves on the back because of how smart and clever we were, Mm -hmm. uh, we make it nearly impossible for the next guy to come in and support that thing. And so I'm a, I am a huge, huge fan. Now, I mean, I understand that there are all kinds of competing uh, competing priorities, and I don't put this on the shoulders of the engineers at the SMB level because sometimes their hands are tied. You just have to do it. That's what we're talking about. But we shouldn't be happy about it. <laughs> we shouldn't be celebrating the fact that we're putting in snowflake, snowflake solutions that don't fit the industry standard. And I'm not even talking about the vendor you know, white paper for the way that you do it. But I've seen crazy things done with protocols to make things work that should never have worked. Yeah. It should never have done it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, static MAC addresses out, you know, tons of trunks to avoid multicast. Like, I mean, like crazy stuff. Yep. And it's like, why are you doing that? Because it makes it impossible for the next person to come in and do something successful when you need to update that core switch that has those crazy MAC addresses in there. Guess what? 
that upgrade is going to have problems. Yeah, <laughs> I guarantee it. It doesn't matter how smart the guy is who's doing it. It's going to have problems because they don't understand what you did. And so um, I know it's not really on topic. And again, soapbox, me back off. Um, but but <laughs> there's, a, there's another side of that, too. And, and I'm thinking more in the security space, right? There are some incredible open source tools like Bro IDS, like Security Onion. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're really solid open source tools that you can use to get some of that functionality um, snort, you know, where, where a large enterprise might be willing to go pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for that functionality to get the support along with it. But you can mimic some of that functionality with some open source tools. Now, now granted, and this I don't know, this may be heresy, but, but some of those security tools are more for visibility and monitoring. If, if, if your Linux box um, has a heart attack and, and falls over, you're not gonna impact production, yeah. right? But you are gonna get lots of really beneficial features out of it. And I think that, that, that space, like the Linux space and things like that are some places where you can do some really neat stuff, but not, bring the network to its knees with your creativity. That oh, sense? yeah. That was that was completely in reference to uh, into, you know, designing infrastructure. Right. Uh, and when it comes to when it comes to open source software and doing creative things in software, I mean, if you can get a tool that does what you need to do, fantastic. I will caution this, though. Um, it's a cautionary story from one of my customers. I won't name who it is. They, they inherited a, a company. And when they inherited this company, um, this guy had built this really, really clever Linux firewall at the middle of their network. You talk about firewall routing. John, was this you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> this no, but like I mean, something. Yeah. Co- completely open source firewall. And the thing worked, um, the, the thing worked beautifully until you had to unwind it and figure mm-hmm. out how to pull this out and put something to replace it because it's not going to last forever. Yeah. And so while the software was really, really clever because it sat in the infrastructure and it was complicated, um, uh, that acquisition happened, I think, two years ago and they still have it in place. And they have a, some, they have a smart team. It's one of my smartest customers that I'm talking about here. And they, and they, can't, they can't successfully unwind it without causing downtime. And yeah. so they pretty much have just been, you know, well, yeah. we'll work around it. With regards to open source, a lot of times you hear free as in beer versus free as in speech, right? Open source being free as in speech. And I think one piece that a lot of people often miss is when you deploy open... And I'm a huge fan of open source software. I've been working with you know Linux since I was 12 and FreeBSD free shortly after. And I, I think there's a lot of value there. That being said, when you look at uh, open source software, I see it as free as in puppy. Because it's free, but you're going to need to maintain it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's once again that's not a bad thing if you're willing to invest in your engineering uh, resources you know in your your staff if you have people yeah. that are that are actually able to design a custom solution and support it then by all means do so but I just I saw a lot of times that didn't happen you know you'd have the open filer box in the corner which didn't really scale as well as we thought it was going I'm not picking on you Phil but it didn't really scale as thought as well as going uh, as thought as we as well as we thought it was going to and 10 years later who knows what it's doing and there's been a whole bunch of band-aids in place and there's no uh, vendor support so that's that's something we could argue all day about is vendor support worth it but in certain circumstances you know just having a clearly documented migration path and upgrade path and support path uh, there is a lot of value there when the company itself isn't willing to invest in their own IT team. 
Yeah, I did find that, you know, thinking about what Yvonne said before about you're able in an SMB to go right to the decision maker, sometimes even the, just the very owner of the company. But I, I don't think ever when I was working with SMB customers was the owner of a company or was the company at all an IT company. So the owner of the company had no idea. And therefore, IT, though though that person was the owner, the decision maker, I had direct access sitting across a conference table. Um, there was a lack of understanding of, of what things cost. Um, you know, I, I remember saying, well, this is what a, you know, a 2901 router costs for your voice gateway. We're going to use it for your voice and data. And, you know, they choked on oh, the, that cost. That's incredible. That's too much money. I'm, well, that's, that's a small, actually, that's a small router. That's not expensive. And so I think there was... Um, a lack of understanding there. And that was a challenge that I faced that though I did have access to the decision maker, which was awesome because you were able to get a decision. <laughs> um, Sometimes. A lot of the time. It was no. <laughs> it, a lot of the time it was an uphill battle because they, just, they, they didn't get it. And so, you know, now, you know, now I work with IT managers uh, who, who are the decision makers, you know, in, internally, for example, where I work and they understand it, um, uh, though there's still budget to deal with and things like that, you know, from, from on high. So uh, what, what, would you, what would you guys consider a definition and then examples of enterprise grade equipment because we were, we were talking about different vendors and oh and you know Matt you mentioned support for example so what, what do you think something what like does that four mean? hour support <laughs> okay <laughs> is that the definition if I can get four hour support on it a lot of that's based off a of location though so yeah. it's not necessarily the gear yeah. I, uh, so well what if I had four hour support of a net gear about, about you know? vendor support and I'm yeah. guilty uh, in, in doing so myself because we've all had you know certain experiences don't live up to what we think we're paying for, but I have also had experiences where there's there's a bug or there's a loop in the network or there's there's something you know my CPU is at 99%, my core switch is down, and and guess what I I can troubleshoot pretty well, but I work with too many platforms to know the exact platform specific command to dig into whatever this issue is mm -hmm. so i call yeah. in and i i talk to an engineer that does nothing but work with this one platform yeah you know they they work with the, the pizza box switch or the chassis switch and that's all they do and they dig in there and they fix it and yep. I, I think there's a lot of value in being able to have your network up and running pretty quickly yeah yeah so what would you consider some you know you could focus on networking or anything else but what would you consider SMP, SMP, SMB networking vendors as opposed to uh, enterprise class gear? I think it's harder to like determine a vendor. Like, because okay. you can put Cisco gear in at all places. You know, they, they sort of have something um, across all the pr price points. I mean, Meraki, in my mind, is a mm -hmm. more SMB focused solution. But for me, there are certain things that are clearly not small business oriented, things like prime infrastructure things mm. like tetration things like you know some of those more advanced tools um and not even really advanced but like non-core functionality tools like they, they're just they're just not an option mm -hmm. because of cost okay yeah so again cost is is a big factor again so i hear that that what about what what have you been what has been your experiences with support from like salespeople, your account managers, uh, when you had experiences with SMB, whether you were, you know, that was your customer or you worked in an SMB. I mean, I'll chime in. was that oh, the ahead. account managers weren't even really in play in, in the SMB. It's more, yeah. you know, you're going to buy from 
your MSP who's getting their gear from you know Tech Data or whoever else, or you're going to yeah. buy from CDW directly, and there isn't there isn't that much focus on the relationship between you know AM or account executive and the the customer. Uh, it's more just buying direct, and some of the the vendors I hate. My background was, I was taught very early on to be as vendor neutral as possible. And genuinely, you don't want to be a shill for a specific vendor. You want to really evaluate the right solution for the customer. So I I try not to bash vendors, but you asked. So here here we go. I did. I would see a typical SMB. You know, we would have, SonicWall makes some great products. I didn't Uh like working with them. So we'd have a SonicWall at the edge. Uh, Once again, it's the right tool for the job in certain uh, situations, just hopefully it's not the job that I'm working on because I hate them. So we'd have a sonic wall at the edge. We would have well you know, an unmanaged switch. Whoever, whatever vendor that might be uh, downstream, it's unmanaged. It's not doing layer three. Uh, we would have. This is going to be somewhat controversial because they're very, they're often the right tool for the job in SMB. We would have a lot of Unify access points by Ubiquity. Once again, phenomenal product for the price for a certain. Uh, use case, but often I would see them put into a use case where it, it might not be the most appropriate. Mm-hmm. I apologize to any one of you vendors out there. Uh, <laughs> they, they all make great products which all serve a very uh, a specific use case. And yeah. uh, I apologize yep. for pigeonholing them, but my personal experience working on certain projects was a lot of times uh, they wouldn't do what I was trying to do. Yep. You know, Let's say you mean I missing functionality do, or some feature? I need to do, yeah, right. I need to do band yeah. steering, and it doesn't exist. Or I okay. need to do, you know, some type of Fair. radio resource management, uh, and, it, and it's not there. And the product is labeled enterprise class, but then it doesn't do what I need it to do. Or um, it's just doing weird things. And yeah. I saw a tweet earlier today <coughs> about, you know, a certain vendor's uh, networking equipment sending, I think, 3,000 uh, DNS requests in a second and a half, and they didn't know why it was doing it, and they had a PCAP, and it was mm. you know, an SMB-focused vendor that I, I may or may not have just mentioned. So, okay. um, <laughs> so I'd like to but I'd like to change. I'll, I'm gear. just going to oh, add go that yep. those kinds of weird things aren't exclusive to yeah. SMB vendors. Not I have even seen close. <laughs> an ARP storm from hell well, from a leading enterprise vendor oh i agree with you 100 percent. and as much as i'll be the one to bash vendor support at the same time i can generally get on the phone with that vendor and have that really quirky thing that that shouldn't have been there in the first place because i paid for this enterprise class product but it's there it got past qa they do generally have the ability to dig in and and figure out what it what it is and then they might point you to a firmware update yeah yeah (laughs) yep if there is an update for that, that fixes that bug. So I, we're, we're about to wrap it up. We're getting close to that point. And I want to just ask one last question and kind of keep it brief. From a career perspective, uh, how, what, what are your thoughts about working in an SMB? And uh, whether you're in networking or a generalist, um, opportunities, um, ad, opportunities for advancement to develop your skill set. What, your, what are your thoughts around that? Well, in like the MSP space, uh, you know, I I love it just because mm-hmm. in any given day I could jump from you know, one customer to another, mm-hmm. go from a networking issue to a VMware issue, and yeah. you know, it's just it's a surprise every day. Yeah, I mean, we don't like surprises, 
but at the same time, it's fun, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and it keeps it keeps it our keeps work you on interesting. Your toes. I, I'm I'm jealous of you, John. I'll admit. I'll, I'll admit. Yeah, I, I agree. With me when I did it as well, um, I mean, yeah. my big thing was you go from vendor to vendor, not from vendor to vendor, uh, client to client, day in day out. You know, you're getting a whole new network that you're you know walking into at that point. You yeah. know, if you are working with multiple clients, you're not actually yeah. at one small biz. But I mean the the amount of gear you'll come across and see day to day. Uh, I mean, you're going to get to touch a lot more than you would if you were at one company. We yeah. had one network to deal with. So, I mean, that was definitely an advantage to it. Um, that being said, even even at that point, you would kind of get limited and you'd start seeing the same thing over and over. Like we talked about, there's a lot of Sonic Walls out there. You can you only know, yeah. see so many before you're kind of over it. But Yep. Well, it certainly sounds like that we can identify that as a challenge, but it sounds like something that many of us look at fondly as well as a great learning experience and something that we just enjoy as as engineering nerdy type people. So that's cool. So yeah, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't change it for the world. That that experience yeah. in in the SMB space is you know, and and I was more of a generalist. So mm-hmm. when I started, I did you know servers, networks. Yeah desktop support i mean if it plugged into a wall i was considered mine right like that yeah. was pretty much how it yep, worked i hear you and uh and i learned so much i could not i mean like i tried to picture my career as if i had started at a bigger shop and been put yeah. into a silo right away yeah like if i had started right networking would i be as uh, competent as i am today and i would say the answer would be no yeah uh, because that exposure, that experience working on and being responsible for everything, uh, I, I think it, it precludes you from pointing the finger too quickly. Yeah, <laughs> right? I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's the f- true full stack engineer is working at you know is the is the single person wearing every hat at a fifty person company. You know. Yeah, we we talk about it like that's the guy who's working at you yeah. know eBay or Google or yeah. whatever. And the reality is we, doing we've, we've had them all sliver. along. They're yeah, it's the guy sliver. working at your community bank trying yeah. to make sure that that thing stays online all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny how it works though because I, I had a start similar to you, Jordan. Right? I worked for an MSP and I did everything. And it took, you know, after a while, I wanted to move beyond that and and specialize in networking. So that's what I did. But I sort of see things come full circle because that Mm -hmm. that initial experience that, you know, I was a generalist and I now want to be a specialist. Well, all of a sudden now it's full stack. And if you look at certain hyper-converged products or just the way that a lot of the industry is going, I think a lot of that experience is, is more valuable now because you really do need to tie all these products together. Yeah. So it's yeah, kind of sure. funny because I tried to distance myself from generalist. I want to be a specialist, and now I'm the specialist. And that generalist experience is pretty valuable. So Right. It was fun. I loved eating from the trough of nerdness, of constant, like... <laughs> <laughs> did that sound weird? I'm sorry if it did. No, it's I think perfect. You know what I? Oh, good. I'm glad. Perfect. I'll patent that or copyright it. Whatever. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm glad that we were able to end on a positive note and just say SMB working in SMB is horrible. Sounds like there's some definitely some challenges. Many of them around budget. Uh, but a lot of good experiences, right? So I, I do want to wrap up with that. So thanks, everybody, for joining. Thanks, everyone, following on Twitter today, or rather participating in Twitter and then following the live stream. Uh, you know, small and medium-sized businesses, SMBs, are probably the most numerous type of businesses out there, which is why we wanted to do this show. We thought it was very relevant. And I think we really fleshed out some of those um, uh, some of those unique challenges that SMBs face that, you know, maybe not necessarily those huge, cool, super cool web scale and hyperscale companies and service providers deal with. Uh, I mean, 
uh, SMBs still have some serious IT challenges, and sometimes it's professional challenges, and uh, those are really valuable, uh, both personally and professionally, it sounds. So thanks again, uh, Kevin, John, and Matt. It was really nice to have you uh, all on the show. And uh, I'd like to also thank, of course, Jordan and Yvonne for co-hosting again with me and all the incredible hard work that you do. And uh, why don't you two uh, take a moment and uh, let us know how we can find you online. Yvonne, why don't we start with you? Uh, yeah, I'm Yvonne Sharp. You can find me on Twitter at Sharp Network or on the blog at esharp.net. Great. And Jordan? Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at bcjordo. I occasionally blog at jordanmartin.net. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Jordan. And you can find me on Twitter using uh, at network underscore Phil. And you can check out my blog at networkphil.com. So uh, join us next on May 23rd. That's in two weeks at 7 p.m. Eastern time for episode four. We're real excited about it called The Impact of Increasing Encrypted Traffic. Uh, we'll be focusing on the increasing pervasiveness of encrypted traffic on our networks and what that really means. So until then, uh, thanks for watching and participating and see you next time.